Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker. And listen with a sparkle in your eye. As though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in all my life. Live from Hollywood, California, this is So I Married a Movie Geek. Happy New Year from all your friends, both of us, at So I Married a Movie Geek. I'm Christy McQueen. I am the one who is married to the movie geek, a.k.a. Justin Winters. And if you've never listened to this podcast before, perhaps you're thinking, hmm, it's 2012. I should find something new on iTunes, something fabulous, something witty, something funny, something intelligent and verbose. That is not this podcast. But hey, we have fun. Right, Justin? Yes, that is right, Chrissy. <laughs> <laughs> what was that intro for? By the way, we've, uh, we, we had a, we've already said Happy New Year to everyone. We did? Yeah. Even though we kind of missed uh, doing an episode last week because, I don't know, we suck. Maybe I'm just really excited about the new year and I wanted to say it again. Happy New Year! Like Frosty Snowman? Yeah, 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 exactly. Happy birthday! That's true. And hey, we have family who's having birthday soon. So, indeed, <laughs> happy birthday. Well, I'll be doggone. Gosh, gobbledy! <laughs> I just wanted to give the good people out there who are giving this a shot, perhaps for the first time, maybe they listen to us on Gray Drake's amazing podcast, The Popcorn Mafia, and they're thinking, hmm, these movie geek folks, they seem like interesting people. I'll listen. I was trying to give them a professional intro, okay? I thought it was great. Oh, yeah. It was immaculate. Immaculate? Yes. It was immaculate. <laughs> It was really clean, guys. It was a really clean introduction. Kick ass. All right, cool. Yes. Well, anyway, <laughs> if you're not in the know, every week we try as best we can to watch two movies. Sometimes it's one new, one old. Sometimes it's two new. Sometimes it's too old. And we discuss them. The caveat is they're all movies that I have never seen because apparently I live under a rock. Or at least I used to until I married this guy. Yes, it was it was it was terrible. I had to free you from this rock that you were living under. It was a rock called Broadway. Um, but I know all about that. So yeah, um, even though we missed a week last week, we did watch movies, and um, we decided since January is a notorious month for sucky new movies at the theater, Boo. that we were going to make January Directors Month. And because we were sick of drowning in a pile of screeners for award season. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, I actually gave Chrissy a list of um, illustrious directors with movies um, corresponding with each that I thought were iconic for those directors. And Chrissy uh, picked, like... Four, four, four directors. Four directors, uh, two movies per director. What Justin failed to tell you is that in making this list, he did not do it with the best penmanship in mind. So as I'm reading, I was like, let's watch a little what bit this, of... What is this, second grade? No, but I was like, let's watch a little bit of Coppola, maybe some Kubrick. I've never even heard of the Coors Brothers, so let's make sure we watch them. And you were like, the who? 
Yes. <laughs> the Coors? Isn't that what that says? Like C-O-E-R-S? Coors? And you were like, no, that says Cohen. I apologize to Joel and Ethan. Because you're listening. I know you are. So, I'm sorry. Oh, man. So, Chrissy... Let's think of the Cohen brothers that you've seen before this double feature that we just had. Um... I know Chrissy's seen Big Lebowski because of this um, oh, podcast. Yeah. Um, a double feature that we saw at the New Beverly actually gave us the idea for this podcast. So you saw Raising Arizona then. That was a Coen Brothers movie? That is actually my favorite Coen Brothers movie. Oh. Yes, I did see that. Um, Raising Arizona, Big Lebowski. You've seen um, True Grit. We actually, I did see True Grit. We also saw on the podcast. And are you going to sneeze? No, I'm good. Oh, okay. I stifled it. Oh. Um, I think those are the main ones that you've seen before. True Grit. <laughs> true, true, true Grit. need a bath. What, bath? He needed a bath. Oh, he needed a bath. Okay. <laughs> and so we chose two, two Coen Brothers movies that you've never seen before, and those two were what? Fargo, oh gosh golly. Fargo? Fargo. <laughs> From 1996, and... Hold on. <laughs> Oh, No Country for Old Men. No Country for Old Men. I guess that means we should talk about Fargo first. From 2007. <laughs> sure, let's talk about Fargo, Chrissy. Honestly, it's funny, because before we started, I asked, I always ask you, like, what, what do you want to talk about first? And you were like, whichever one you liked best. And I thought about it, and at the time I remembered the other movie was No Country for Old Men. And I thought, meh, kind of on the same level for me. Wait, you remembered two minutes ago? I did, and forgot? then I forgot, yeah. Okay. But back to Fargo. I have to say, and this is totally a superficial and cheesy observation, but I don't care because it's my podcast and I can do what I want. Okay. My favorite thing about the whole movie were the accents, especially Frances McDormand being so gosh golly darn cute. Okay. I don't care. I just enjoyed it. That's it? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) No, it's really not it. (laughs) This movie, it's funny because it came out in the 90s. And now these these actors who, especially um, the likes of like Steve Buscemi and uh, William H. Macy, have gone on and done great movies that I feel like, it's funny, when I saw them in this, I went, oh, they look so young. Was this their first movie or something? I had no idea that they were even in this. And the heater is on, but who cares? Anyway, it was a great movie because of the acting alone, I think. I gotta turn it off. Justin cares so much about what I say that he leaves the room when I talk. Oh, mailage. And he's back. I'm back. Oh, he's still talking about Fargo? <laughs> no, we've moved on. Okay, so Fargo. Fargo is one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies. Why? Because I just think it's the perfect storm of a movie. It's, you know, it's got comedy. It's got drama. Drama. It's, it's got a little bit of action bang bang in there. It's um, it's very well written. It's very well directed. Um, the cinematography by Roger Deakins is amazing. Like, it makes all the snow, like, everything he does with the snow. I actually did, um, I wrote uh, a term paper in college on this movie, and it was... 
like 20 pages long. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I'm struggling thinking of like what I would say two pages double spaced about this movie and you wrote 20? <laughs> Probably single spaced. Well, your, your one sentence review was, I really like the accents. <laughs> well, I prefaced it by saying I realize this is an incredibly superficial observation, but... No, but just, just watching Fargo and this, I've seen it like over a dozen times, it just kind of fills me with glee. I just go, huh, oh, I love Which this movie. Which is funny for such a movie that, you know, has drama and blood and occasional sadness and snow. You can't be gleeful about snow? I don't know that I can. I mean, basically all Coen Brothers movies, anytime I watch them, I just think, man, I'm glad I'm not, <laughs> I don't have these Filling people's lives. Character. Yeah. Because basically they kind of just beat the crap out of some of their uh, male um, lead characters in every movie. That's true. I found it interesting that Frances McDormand was so freaking optimistic. I'm like, she's living in this little podunk town that I can't even pronounce. begins the B. Do you remember what it's called? Hmm? Brainerd. Brainerd. Yeah. 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 And, you know, she's just so gosh darn happy to be pregnant, even when she feels sick in the morning and... And, you know, she's working in the snow, and it's probably, like, 17 degrees. Oh, but that's, you know, everything's just great. Well, it's, you know, a lesson. Look on the bright side of life. Looking on the bright side of life when you see your dead body in the road in the snow. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) She did. She was like, oh, I'm just manning down and look. Oh, she got shot in the head and the hand. Like, she was so enthusiastic about it. And she, you know, she's the main character of the movie, but she doesn't even show up for, like, the first 30 minutes. That's true. I almost forgot she was in it when we were first watching it. I was like, oh, my God, this kidnapping thing that William H. Macy is putting together is going to end really, really badly. And then all of a sudden she showed up, and I went, oh, yeah, she's in this. And she's the smartest person in the movie. Well... I don't think that was hard given the competition. But, um, yeah, and she won an Oscar for it, so. I wonder who else was nominated that year. I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> Come on, Encyclopedia Justin. I can't remember who was nominated last year. I mean. That surprises me. Anyway, um, but yeah, like I said, pretty much everything about the movie, I like. I, I couldn't think of something that I didn't like about Let's it. Let's talk about the plot for a second. Okay. Who? thinks it's a good idea to have thugs kidnap your wife so the rich father-in-law will pony up some dough. Who thinks that's a good idea? There's a lot of stupid people in this world, Chrissy. I don't know if you've noticed. Yes, but it maybe it was the way he spoke. William H. Macy, he came across as naive, but not entirely ignorant or stupid. Which is why I was like, wait a second. You're not a total bumbling idiot here living in the Ozarks. How could you not have seen how this could go awry? In so many ways. And it did. Like, in every way it could have gone awry, it went awry. It's true. Throughout the whole movie, it's like, he had a bad day, and then he did this, and then it got worse, and then it got worse than that, and then his wife's dead, and then his father-in-law's dead. Well, the father-in-law died first. And then his son's really sad. And then you have to leave, and you will get arrested in another town living someone else's life. You had a bad day. Terrible, terrible. Yeah. So, but 
I mean... But it's based I, on true story. It's not really based on true story. It's not? That's no. what it said in the beginning. Did I just break your heart? Did I just blow your mind? Wait a minute. Truth in advertising. In the very beginning of the movie, it doesn't even say based. It says, this is a true story. The names of the innocents have been changed to protect their identities. Well... And to honor the victims. I thought we were going to watch Paranormal Activity for a second. Ooh. Kind of the same intro. <laughs> Look at that ghost, yeah. <laughs> He's a a little fella. (laughs) Oh, there was a big fella and a little fella. One of them was wearing a sheet. (laughs) Um, No, I think it. I think it was like a compilation of things that they've heard in terms of crimes, but it like this wasn't like a true story. Then how can they say that in black and white, no less, in the beginning of the movie? This is a true story. Liars. Seriously. That's it, core brothers. Breaking up with you. Shitty beer. Liars. <laughs> no wonder it tastes like piss. Because um, you lied. Yeah, oh, I wasn't going to say that at the beginning of the movie and totally... But why would they you, say that? Then there's no, like... Because when you see that, you're more willing to, you know... Be become ta- emotionally invested. Ta- taken in by the story. Yeah, it yeah. worked. And I was... There you go. Well, where was the, the disclaimer at the end that's like, no, seriously, any resemblance to these people is fictional and coincidental? <laughs> well, because it, it it wasn't. It was fictional. What are you talking about? No, I'm saying where was that message at the end? They don't They don't have to do that. They can they lie to you all you want. They can't say it's a true story and then have it not be. It didn't even say based. It mm-hmm. said is. They used a metaphor. Should they be arrested? What are you saying? They should have to redo it. <laughs> no fair. No fair. No, no fair. They no should fair. have to redo it or that should be omitted from the beginning. <laughs> it's not okay to lie. <laughs> the gullible police. <laughs> I'm sorry. Am I going to think that now about every movie I see? Documentaries and be like, mm-mm. They made this up. Oh, man. Well, there are some documentaries that, that you think that about, so. Like Jesus Camp? Jesus camp. No, that is real. <laughs> that movie is really scary, too. <laughs> what if you found out that it was all fiction? Ha ha, just kidding. That didn't happen. I don't know. I come from the South where I've seen... <laughs> seen I see some things. So, um... What was your favorite scene in Fargo? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Um, do you want to think about it? Do you want to know what, what, what one of my favorite scenes was? Of course. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's just the I fact think I know that what it's, you're gonna say. You do? I think I do. Okay, tell me what 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 am I, what am I gonna say? The scene where Francis McDormand is at the restaurant yes. bar. Yeah. You know what? You know what? That's one of my favorite scenes because it has nothing to do with any anything else in the movie. I was like, I don't know why this is happening. It's hilarious, but why is this happening? Oh, Marge. Marge Gunderson. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, I'm just going to sit next to you. And she's like, no, please don't do that. I just, I, I want to be able to see you. That's all. I'm just so lonely. Yeah. <laughs> Starts crying. And then I saw you on the TV. I love that scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Very good. Apparently the only scene that you knew about this movie beforehand was the infamous, uh, wood chipper scene. And I only know that because my mom loves Fargo and she loves this sort of movie in general. And 
when I was younger, she'd be like, oh, Fargo, man. You got to see Fargo. There's a wood chipper. Uh-huh. And they put people in it. Yes. And I was like, ah, I don't think I want to see this movie. And she's like, it's awesome. <laughs> she was really into it. I think she was picturing putting my dad in there the whole time. Really? Probably. You were like 13 years old when this came out. And she's like, this, this is a great movie. You probably not even. I was probably like 12. Born late in the year, yo. <laughs> well, your mom's got great taste in movies, apparently. She does have good taste in movies, actually. Okay. All right. All right. Well, um... I don't know what my favorite scene is, by the way. I can't, like, single out a certain scene. I like that one that you mentioned. And I hate to say it, but the entire sequence of when, like, the cop was shot and then they went back and they... That's a great... That, it's a great sequence. It, 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 I was, like, biting my non-existent nails. Mm-hmm. Because I don't actually bite my nails. You don't? No, I go like this, though. Like Stefan on Saturday Night Live, where he puts his hands up to his face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> I do that face. Oh, man. we friends with him on Yelp. Did the movie make you want to um, visit no. the no. Great White North? You could stop. No. No? No, definitely not. In fact, I was like, oh, I've never been so grateful that I live in California until right now. Really? Definitely. Not Minnesota? You wouldn't visit Minnesota? When they were like, have you ever been to Minneapolis? I was like, who cares? The big, big malls up there. You wouldn't go to the Mall of America? I mean, if I were like stuck on a seven hour layover because of snow and that was like my connecting airport and I had nothing to do and I was like, I guess I'll go and see what's going on in in Minneapolis. Maybe. See, that sounds like the beginning of a Coen Brothers movie. (laughs) I've got this seven hour layover. Go to the Mall of America. What could happen? I mean, no offense to the people who... Fast forward, you're like stuck on the Snoopy roller coaster (laughs) inside the Mall of America. Seriously, no offense to the people who live in the Midwest or in areas that are very snowy and kind of desolate. If you're happy, I'm happy. That's really all that matters. I just know that I personally couldn't be happy. Mama needs some sunshine. And without... Like, it, it gets below 65 here and I get depressed. So, seriously... That's why. It's not that I'm trying to be a, a non-Middle America snob. It's just that I, I know I'd be very unhappy with the cold and the temperature and the bleak. Hmm. Do you think you'd be a um, a good police officer like Marge if you're pregnant? Imagine being that pregnant and still, like... On the force? On the force. <laughs> like, there's that one scene where she's looking at the tracks in the snow... And the guy's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm about to barf. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just going to puke now. For me, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be so much about, like, doing the cop duties. That would be the hard part of being that pregnant and doing her job. It's all that damn snow. You have to wear 17 layers just to go outside and, you know, slush around in your boots. And you're feeling heavier and have to pick up your legs that much more to get through the snow drift. It's, it's like... To shovel your way out of your house every right, day. Right, and de-ice your thing, and that takes a lot of arm work. <laughs> your windshield. Have you ever de-iced a windshield before? No, in fact, when that guy was, when William H. Macy was doing it, I was like, is he going to scratch his windshield? What is he doing? you never see one of those in action. No. Yeah. And when I was living in Santa Clarita, it would get really cold at night, like down to, well, by California standards, like 30. Mm-hmm. And, um... I would have, like, a small amount of ice and frost in my car in the mornings because I had to be in Simi Valley at 6.50. So it would be, I'm trying to leave at, like, 
10 to 6, so it was still really cold. You should go out and turn on your car and yeah. just let it run? Yeah, I would, and then I'd go inside and for like the last 10 minutes of my getting ready, and then I'd come out and it would be better. Genius. See? Real women are genius. Not bad for a girl who grew up in Southern California and had to figure it out. <laughs> Like, what do Valley I do? Google goes out to her car and turns it on so the frost <laughs> goes off. <laughs> and I didn't Google that. We weren't really Googling very much back then. I figured it out on my own. Pissed off my dad, though. You're wasting gas. Oh, well, that's back when gas was like a dollar a gallon. Yeah, who cares? Oh, well. Oh, man. That was well, there, fun. Is there anything else that stuck out to you about this movie? We surprised about anything would you? Is there something that you didn't like about it? The guy who played the big fella. What's his name? Um, Peter Stormare. I can't decide whether I loved him or hated him. And the reason I say that is because, for clear and obvious reasons, he's not a likable character and I hate him. And every time he was on the screen, I was like, that mother, you know what? Well, if you were in a car with him, you'd probably have the same conversations that... I Shut uh, up Bush- from the beginning. Steve Buscemi did. I would have been like, mm-mm, not a talker this one. You'd be just like him. Oh, I, we can play, two can play this game. I'm not going to talk anymore. <laughs> Starting right, wait, I'm not going to talk. No, I wouldn't <laughs> do that because I would have been slightly smarter than Buscemi and realized this mother is crazy. And I would have just been like, oh God, let me just live and been quiet. Uh, that being said, he's probably a pretty good actor to make me feel that way about him. So hence the love hate aspect. I was scared. Yeah, I was scared of him. Scared of him, and not scared of Steve Buscemi. Buscemi. I was not scared of Steve Buscemi. Although when after his scene with the father-in-law, and you saw how that bloody mess turned out for a few people, I was like, maybe I should be afraid of Steve Buscemi. He shot me in the face. He's like, open the gate, holding his face. Man. Well, and another thing I like about Coen Brothers movies, that, again, they have these little scenes that usually most movies would include because they'd be like, oh, let's throw this on the cutting room floor. It doesn't really add anything. Like the Chinese restaurant scene. <laughs> or like the... I don't think it was a Chinese restaurant, you racist. I think it was just a bar. Oh, I thought they went to a, a buffet bar. No. I think it was, it was like a bar that might have had a buffet, but I don't think it was Chinese. That makes me racist by thinking it was that. Well, I think I, I'm guessing why you had that association. I'm so racist, guys. You might be. I love Chinese buffets. What do you give that look for? <laughs> I'm giving you that look because, like I said, I think I know where you derived that from. Because of the guy was Chinese? Yeah. You're like, oh, it must have been a Chinese buffet then. Oh, well. Anyway, that scene was random. And there's this one scene when he's he's coming back from the airport parking lot. And he's like, I'm not going to park here. <laughs> the guy's like, what are you talking about? Uh, I, I, I drove in. I, I, I don't, don't want to park here. Well, it's still going to be $7, sir. I just came here. Now you're telling me that I have to pay $7? I was just here. You and your, your, you know, shirt or whatever he's talking about. His oh, you think you're a big man? Uniform. You think you're a big man in your uniform? <laughs> what kind of accent am I doing right now? I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Fargo. I still don't understand 
fully why the movie was titled Fargo. Um, because that's where the deal went down at the beginning of the movie with William uh, William H Macy and the two guys. Didn't go down in Minnesota. Well, it's no. like just outside of Fargo. He lived in Minnesota, and right. he, he drove to Fargo. He was like just outside of Fargo when he made the deal. Because his Indian or Native American friend told him, right? These guys, they're they're awesome. Uh, no, the friend of the friend. Why wasn't it just called like what's Brayburn? <laughs> Brayburn? Because <laughs> that's I don't know that's what that apples. word is. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the name of the small town. No, Brainerd. Brainerd. There you go. Why wasn't it just called Brainerd? <laughs> that makes more sense. It's not as catchy as Fargo. Um, what, uh, before we move on, one of my favorite moment, Christy moments while watching this movie is when um, Steve Buscemi's character and Scary Tall Guy uh, <laughs> go to uh, rent some prostitutes. Oh, no. <laughs> what did you say? You're like, are there... Are there prostitutes oh, up north? I was like, they have whores there? <laughs> they, have, and you were, they have whores there? And you were like, where? At the bar? I'm like, no, any, where they, like where all that snow is. And where are they, Fargo? And you were like, no, they're in Minnesota now. I'm like, still, isn't it too cold? And you were like, I don't think they're necessarily standing out on the side of the road. No, <laughs> no, here's exactly what I said. I was like, Chrissy... There are whores everywhere. Yeah, you did say that. It's the oldest profession. <laughs> I forgot. You did say that. Yeah. Yeah. The little fella. Very good. Yeah, he was funny looking. <laughs> so he Just was, generally funny looking. So he was funny looking. <laughs> and he had hair. Yeah. And the big fella. He was... He was also funny looking. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, what would you give Fargo as a, a letter grade? A B, B plus. Okay, respectable. Yeah. And yeah. you, sir? Well, A. Well, one, yeah. I love it. I, I, I'll bump it to a B plus. I think this one came out right around the time, or near the time that Boogie Nights came out. And that too, for I was like, these movies are awesome. I saw Boogie Nights. Yeah, you did? Yeah. <laughs> When you were like 12 or something? No, when I was slightly older, but I was still a little bit scarred. Scarred? Scarred. Like Peter Skarsgård? <laughs> yes. Why were you scarred? Penis? Well, that and like the whole let's get Roller Girl in the back of the limo on Sherman Way a Street that I like lived off of. And I was like, is this what's happening outside my door? Are, are there whores outside my door? <laughs> there are whores here? <laughs> and you love roller skating with your kid. You're right. like... <laughs> I was like, she's my favorite because she wears roller skates and she's one. Oh, my God. Mommy, that's my role model. Who's <laughs> <laughs> in like six? <laughs> Mommy. You, your mom is like, that Boogie Nights, that's a great movie. <laughs> Yes, yeah, she she'd just come back from seeing Fargo and couldn't get the accent out of her head. Oh man. So you were kinda young when Fargo came out, so I understand you not seeing that. I actually tried to get you to come see the next movie we watched because it came out in two thousand seven and we were, you know Not twelve. Hot and heavy dating. Oh, we were. 
and you wouldn't go see you, you wouldn't go see it with me. I had to go see it by myself. If I remember there were other really good movies out at that time. I don't remember what they were, but I just remember thinking of if I'm going to go and sit in a theater and watch something, it's not going to be that. It's going to be something better. Well, it was it was um, up for best picture of the year at the Oscars. I remember, but also at the time, I really didn't. I actually didn't know much about it up until we just saw it. I just know that it was called No Country for Old Men. And I was like, it sounds like something that my dad would watch. Really? Yeah. And I thought that it had some sort of like little western-y feel, even though it didn't clearly. But at the time, I was like, they're wearing cowboy hats. There's old people in this. Well, Not interested. It actually kind of plays like a modern-day western. It could, right. Yeah. But, at the, but at the time, when I'm choosing what I'm going to spend my hard-earned college cash on... It was kind of like, eh. I mean, let's face facts. I was, you know, taking you out. So. Oh, yeah. You paid for every movie we ever went to. <laughs> sure. That happened. You paid for some of them. I would have paid for it if you would have gone with me. Oh, uh, well, let's go back in time to 2007 and right this wrong. Let's do it. Okay. All right. In the DeLorean. Well, here we go. <laughs> Hey, past Justin, you want to know a secret? What? One day, you're going to marry that girl. And she'll finally watch No Country for Old Men with you. But we're staying outside the theater. I thought we were going to watch it, like, right now. But Oh, that's right. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, I didn't just go back in time just to tell you I'm not going to watch it now. We'll watch it in, like, five years. For, like, the couple of people who have never seen No Country for, for, no Country for Old Men, what is it really about? About a crazy dude. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to go further, and then I was like, he always gets mad at me when I go into these synopses, so I'm just going to keep it really short and sweet. <laughs> I like the accents. <laughs> Nod. All right, I'll try to be short and sweet. Okay. It's about a crazy dude who is basically killing his way through Texas, not because he's a serial killer, but because... He's after money from a botched drug deal. All right. And it's about the people he encounters, one of whom accidentally is involved, but now wants to keep the money for himself, and one of whom is the local sheriff in Texas. Basically another movie about greed and money and how it leads to ruin. Yeah, man. And drugs. And Mexicans. Drugs. <laughs> Well, you have to say they're Mexican. Because they were. That's what he said. Throughout the entire movie, they talked about it. <laughs> Wasn't like, come on. You act like it's a, a derogatory term. It's not at all. That's just their nationality. We're not talking about El Salvadorians where I'm calling them Mexican and then that's mean. They get mad. They want to be called what they are. Guatemalans want to be called Guatemalans. Okay. These were Mexicans. I see. Okay. Got it. There you go. Um. Did you like... So you said you... You had issues with this movie. Sure I did. What, do you know what they were? <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me I had issues. Now I'm like, I don't, I don't think he liked the, um, the, the, the bad guy. Have you about them? I thought he was brilliant, actually. Really? Yeah. Were you scared of him? I was. And I kept trying would to figure you, out if I you... were in the movie, like how I would outsmart him. So if he came up to you and he's like, hello, friendo. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Are you, oh, jeez. Are you Marge Gunderson? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, you're and a big I, fella, aren't and you? I, I pull out my my quarter. And I'm like, call it, call it. What do I stand to gain? I would not be that guy, by the way. You stand to gain everything. <laughs> what do I stand to lose? <laughs> everything. <laughs> yeah, right. I'd be like, how about a Twizzler? <laughs> I was just going to say some sort of food item. I was going to be like, you have this chocolate. <laughs> Look over there. <laughs> I run away really fast. Exactly. I don't but he'll find you. Why, like, when he was putting that thing up to people's faces, and he was like, hold still, that they did. I'd be like, ah! And try to run away. Or even before that, when, the, he, you know, huge guy in a, not a, was he in a cop car at the beginning? I don't think he was. No, he stole the cop car. He stole the cop car. But he had, like, a Beatles haircut. Yeah. And he had a, a tank. You know, he's like bringing a, up a tank. And a Johnny Cash wardrobe. And a Johnny Cash wardrobe. First, I don't get out of the car. No. No. Who does that? <laughs> Who stops the car, even, when they see that guy get out with the, the, the tank and the crazy? <laughs> Who's not like, oh, shit. And then, you like, know, keeps driving. License and registration, friendo. Friendo. <laughs> yeah, he called everybody friendo. I just, I got, I didn't get as, fr- as frustrated with him as I got with uh, Josh Brolin's character. Well, yeah, he's another one of the Cohen characters that pretty much every choice he makes is the wrong it's choice. A bad, yeah, every choice is a bad choice. Like, like, from the beginning when he doesn't help the dying guy with the water and then decides to go back in the middle of the night. Oh, you were very mad at him for not, like... Helping the guy? Just leaving and just running to get some water. Well, who does that when that guy's like, uh, He's a drug dealer. Who cares? He shot those dogs. How do you know it was him? You don't. You don't. You should, you should have, like, investigated. Did you shoot those dogs? At that exact moment in time, it's See, not your job to judge. No water for you. What? Oh, I said, in that exact moment in time, it's not your place to judge. When somebody is clearly dying, and they've been, they're probably going to die anyway, but they're, like, shot, and then he's, you know, begging for water. You don't be like, I told you, asshole, I don't have agua. And I keep looking for whatever you're looking for. Well, if he would have just left to go get water, he might not have found the million dollars. Or, if he had just given that guy water, he wouldn't have had to come back in the middle of the night and get shot by people and then start a whole chase. It's true. Yeah, it is. Do you know this is based on a true story as well? No, it's based on a book. (laughs) Whatever, Justin. Don't play on my suspicions. So, say you're Josh Brolin. Sure. You did go back in the night. You, you know, got shot. Got in the river, you know, went back. What do you do? You've, you've got the money. What do you do? Get on a plane. And before you get on the plane, go through that satchel and, like, literally go through it piece by piece to make sure there's not think, a tracking device I don't or think you can get a million dollars on a plane without some major, you know, heat from the cops. Why? A million dollars in cash? Well... To be like... Put it in your Wait. checked luggage and lock it. We got this million dollars in cash. I wouldn't... Dude, I don't even trust... Ship it. I don't even... Sh- ship it. Ship it. FedEx it. I don't think they had... With insurance. They had FedEx back then in the 80s, did they? Of course. Come on. Or you can't... They had some sort of parcel service back then. I wouldn't have shipped it. I wouldn't have trusted, you know, 
baggage at the airport with my $1 million well, in cash. Well, back then it wasn't like the TSA of 2012 where they're like, you better take off your earrings to go through the x-ray machine. It was like, you check your bags and then you put a few on the plane and then you're done. I would have gone, I would just get in my car with my, my wife who you thought was his daughter. Initially, she looked really young and the way he treated her. Why? Said he was going to take her in the back and spank, like, do her? No, ew, gross, stop. That's what she, that's what he said. I didn't hear that line. I would dri- I would have drove north, not south, to Mexico. You drove to Canada? <laughs> yeah. Driving is just a bad idea because somebody can catch up with you so much more easily. Right away, you get on... Again, it was 1980. You, you could have... You could even hold on to your satchel the whole time. They weren't searching luggage like they are now. Well, his his fatal flaw in the very end was he um, had a loudmouth uh, mother-in-law, pretty much. That's what did did him in. She's the one that did him in. Well... And you were very confused... When he, being the main character, just kind of died. D- died. I was like, wait a minute, what happened? Is he dead? I, when I saw that by myself in the movie theater, I thought I'd, like, I don't know. I'm like, what happened? Did I fall asleep and not notice? <laughs> Did something happen? What happened here? That was... I, I kind of thought it was somebody else. Well, he was all bloody, too, so it wasn't totally recognizable. Like, that was a big thing. A lot of people got mad about that. Well, with good reason. But seriously, who doesn't just get on a plane with their crap in their lap, hold on to it the whole time, and before you get on the plane, go through it. I understand who finds a satchel of money and doesn't empty it out, like, to make sure there's nothing really bad in there. Don't? I would. You would? Of course I would. Put it in, like, your Hello Kitty yeah, luggage. Yeah, change, change what it's in, too. You don't want whatever it was in before. You don't know about that case. It's true. Transponder. I'd be afraid that the, all the bills were, like, numbered and sequenced. I would even take them out and, like, mix them up like a deck of cards. Shuffle them. I was surprised it just didn't have the exploding packs in it. Right. Well, that too. But that's why you got to go through it. <laughs> to find out. Because then you go, oh, well, game over. Like, right away. And then just give up. Um, I won't even ask what your favorite scene is because I know what your favorite scene was. What's my favorite scene? Is when he... Walks across the border to Mexico. He's bleeding, you know, like doesn't have much clothes. <laughs> and he falls asleep. And then he wakes up. And it's like, what, five, six o'clock in the morning in Mexico? And there's a mariachi band waking him up. You're a man from America. You look kind of bloody. I'm like, poor Mirachi band. Like, this, is what's, this is what's become five o'clock in the morning, waking up this hobo. But here's what I understand, because clearly he looked like homeless and injured. Who in their right mind is the Mariachi person? Is like, oh, who will we play for today? And then they see him and they're like, there he is. He has money to tip us. Pain blood. And then immediately he's like, medico. They looked so surprised. They were like, oh. <laughs> Jesus Cristo. He need medico. Oh, man. Quieres medico? Am I medico? Yo quiero medico. <laughs> oh, man. That was just a mistake. On the mariachi part. 
Is there anything you would have changed about the movie? Yeah, the fact that he made really bad decisions throughout the entire movie. Because that's frustrating for a viewer to watch. You Because you want to root for your protagonist, you know? And when they make shitty decisions, like, the entire movie, it's frustrating. You're like, ugh, I don't want it. Like, I almost don't want to root for you now because you're stupid. Yeah. He well, should have made at least a few right ones. Well, if, I, if I would have been in his, his shoes, I would have... Um, Save my wife, which he didn't do. Yeah, that was bad too. Because and then she, poor sweet thing, at the end is like, you know, you have no problem with me. Like, I have nothing for you. And he was like, yeah, well, before he died, he could have saved you, and he didn't. So I'm just fulfilling a promise, basically. And he brings out the call it, and then she refused. So I don't think that ended well for her. Well, and he when he. Directly after that, he walks out on the porch and he, like, looks at his shoes. Like, what's on the bottom of my shoes? Blood. Right. Yeah. So, hence why it didn't end well for her. Did you like Tommy Lee Jones' character? No. I was frustrated by him, in fact. Why? Because he wasn't quick enough? He wasn't Marge Gunderson enough? Oh, no. that You know, it's not about that. Here's the thing. I enjoyed Tommy Lee Jones' character in the beginning, especially all the stuff... With his, um, it, but it's funny because he and Marge have this in common. Like, they're both the smarter version of their bumbling cop friend that they're with. Yes. And I enjoy both of those rapports, actually, that both Marge had with her guy and that he had with this young kid. Um, clearly he's been doing this job for a long time. He's probably seen a little bit of everything. So I kind of understand the old guy attitude of like, yep, well, this didn't go well as he's looking at this big murder spree that happened in the desert. And, you know, and that looks like it was an execution. And he has a good rapport with all the people in the town. So someone left this milk and didn't drink it. Yeah. Look, it's not sweating. (laughs) So I actually enjoyed him. I would say all the way through the first half. And then for me, his value started plummeting when he talked to that crazy, hasn't washed in like a month guy in his trailer. Wasn't that his brother? That was his brother? I think it was his brother. I don't know who that was. But they were talking and he was like, when did you, when did you last make this coffee? I make a pot once a week. <laughs> and I was like, ew, number one. Ew, Tommy Lee Jones. I, I Don't drink that. My opinion of you just went way down. Well, no, he didn't say he made it. It was, it was the guy who you think is the brother who said that. Why did you stop liking him right then? Because then it got tedious. His character and his whole... The monologues that kept coming out and even that dialogue just became tedious. Like, I remember thinking during that scene, why are we watching this? What, what does this conversation have to do with anything about, you know, the plot of what's going on? It was basically... You know what? I'm I'm getting old. Yeah, you are getting old. I'm old too. Man, we're getting old. We got to get out of this game. Yeah, are we going to die? About it. Are we, are we are we dead yet? Yeah, and it went on way too long. And I was and so at that point I was kind of like, all right, I could do with a little less Tommy and a little more what's going on with like the main heist. I was waiting for them to say, we live in a. This is no country for old men. Yeah, seriously. And then I feel like that version of Tommy Lee Jones's character replaced the other one throughout the entire rest of the movie. I feel like anytime you talk to anybody, it was about how he was just a minute too late or a day too old or, you know, whatever. It was like, 
he missed the boat basically because he was getting old and then he retired and had that whole scene at the end with his wife about what he was going to do that day and then he gave some sort of monologue that honestly I spaced out on because I was like this is long and he's talking again about how he's old and I've heard this six times already and I'm like I'll just wait until this is over and then we have the next scene and then the movie was over and I went are you kidding that was the last scene, the one I spaced out on because I was like, oh, here we go. Another speech about being old. No, he was talking about a dream that he had. Your heart wasn't touched by his dream. Oh, yeah, that, yeah his, you're right. I forgot. He was on horseback and then his, his father passed him on horseback. I completely and, forgot. I was like, what the hell is the point of this dream? Who cares? And, and then he woke up. Yeah. The end. <laughs> True story. You're like, what? I really was. I, I was kind of miffed by that. Were you expecting him that he was going to like catch up with... Uh, friendo guy and kill him? I, no, I How just, were you I expecting mean, in, it was going to end? In general, I like some sort of epilogue. You know, even if, like, you don't know precisely what happens. Maybe like, a shot of, of, like, friendo on a plane. Like, like the center stage epilogue? <laughs> yeah! That was great! You know where they ended up. Different ballet companies. It was great. And I know they told you that earlier, but you saw it. So, I mean, honestly, like, Frendo could have just been on a plane. Like, just on a plane. And I would have been like, oh, he got away. Or he could have been walking, looking sinister. And I'd be like, oh, he stayed in Texas. I wonder what will happen in the next movie that's never going to happen. Anything. Anything. Like, a fleeting shot would have been fine. Hello again, Frendo. (laughs) (laughs) But no, we had to hear about Tommy Lee Jones' dream of seeing his dad on horseback because now that he's retired, he sleeps more and therefore has more vivid dreams. The end. <laughs> Great epilogue. Give him his Metamucil. Metamucil. Do you know that the, uh, in Men in Black 3, there's a Men in Black 3, I Which don't know why. such a shame. But um, apparently Will Smith somehow goes back in time to meet... Tommy Lee Jones as younger. Yeah. You know who plays Tommy Lee Jones younger? I did, but I forgot. Josh Brolin. Oh, jeez, yeah. That's funny. Does an amazing impression of Tommy Lee Jones. It's pretty funny. But yeah, I mean, were I don't were you satisfied with that final scene? Um well again, I was in the theater and I was like, What? <laughs> <laughs> well, because you asked me when it was okay. over, you were like, What, did you expect it to be longer? And I was like, No, I just expected any sort of resolution. I should have clued you in and said, Chrissy, pay attention. Because you're probably like, oh. No, I paid attention really well that whole movie. It was just when he started that speech again. I was like, oh, here we go. Another I'm old speech. I've heard this. <laughs> Next. Someday we're going to be old like that and we're going to have those speeches. Remember when? Yeah, but we're not going to have them over and over over the course of two hours and then start talking about dreams that we had last night. Like, that's not going to happen. We may. You never know. Well, if we do, there's going to be a button on the end of that that isn't that. There's going to be some other scene, like Maggie walking. If Maggie's alive, that's going to be amazing. That's a whole other movie in itself. (laughs) Maggie, you're like 60 years old. That's like... That's because God... Because God heard my wish after Kylie when I was like, I'm not doing this again. He was like, okay, Maggie will live forever. I had a dream last night. I was was on horseback and and Maggie was still alive. I had a dream I was on horseback and then I looked down and I wasn't on a horse, but I was on Maggie. (laughs) 
And she was flying. We were flying through the air like Falcor in the never-ending story. There's no control, man. <laughs> the end. Which one did you like better, Fargo or Narcotropo Men? Honestly, blah, 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 blah. it's a coin toss to me. Call it. Call it. <laughs> you must call it. <laughs> it's not fair. You have to call it. Yeah, no, honestly, I, I mean, uh, I feel like I paid better attention during No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. And when I pull it apart scene by scene, I enjoyed it. And yeah. I was I was really captivated by wanting to know what happens next. More so than I was in Fargo. Whereas, I think I enjoyed the characters more in Fargo. Okay, that makes sense. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So who's going to be our, our next director pair? Well, you finally submitted to watching um, Godfather 1 and 2 and the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh. And then our other one is Hitchcock. I, I did. Those are our three next ones, I guess. I did on the Lord of the Rings one, really? Because I think I was like, maybe if we have time, this might be an option. You got to do it. Suck it up. We don't have time. Such a long time. Well, we you know, take it one movie at a time. Call in sick one day, and then we'll do it. You know that can't happen. It is kind of difficult when you work with people in the medical profession. It's true. You're like, so I'm sick, and they're like, oh really? <laughs> you don't sound sick. Well, let's just do an examination right here, okay? Naked. And you're like, um, really? When I say sick, I mean I've been having weird dreams about riding my dog. <laughs> I think I need a day off. Okay, we understand. <laughs> We've had those dreams as well. Is that code for you're watching all three Lord of the Rings movies with your wife who somehow has not seen them? And you're totally, like, shaking your head yes, and you're like, no. It's not yet. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're good movies. Which movie did you like better? Oh, I love Fargo. I thought so. My three favorite Coen Brothers movies are Raising Arizona, Fargo, Big Lebowski. I love those movies. And I only liked Fargo of, of the three. No, you liked Raising Arizona. I barely remember it. Raising Arizona... Oh man, I love that movie. I just remember it Another being great like, female role from um, Holly Hunter. I remember that was a midnight double feature at the New Beverly, and it was like two in the morning when that one finally came on. Mm-hmm. And I think I saw five minutes of it. As far as how much I slept during that movie, and that was like five years ago. And I was so tired, and I was so uncomfortable in that little chair. Nothing's changed, and I wanted to go home. So I was such an ornery old woman that night. I was like, I don't want to be here. Wow. I don't think I ever told you that. Well, thanks for telling me now. Hey, it's been a while. I, I, I do that where I... We I, saw like, Evil Dead 2 that night yeah. as well. Yeah, we did. Sure, you did. I, I slept through that. <laughs> you slept through both movies. I really did. I don't think you did. I would have remembered that. Nope. You were pretty involved. And then, because it's weird. When I'm like sleeping through something... I started this art form way back in the day, by the way, when I'd have late night conversations Sleeping with your phone. eyes open? No. It's like... Uh, some part of my brain still listens to what's going on even though I'm sleeping. So, like, I listen for cues. Like, when an audience would laugh, I'd laugh. Like, asleep. But be like, ha, 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 ha. And no idea what's going on. 
I'm not kidding. I used to be on the phone with friends like late at night and they would tell me a whole story and I'd be dreaming. And then I'd, I, they'd be like, Chrissy, Chrissy, what do you think? And I'd be like, oh, and I'd have to like try to remember what they said and I couldn't because I was still asleep. And I'd be like, I think the pink elephants should jump through the hoops. This might be go, a medical what? issue with you. <laughs> this might be a medical issue. And then eventually my friends who knew me well would figure it out and they'd be like, were you sleeping? During that last part. And this is when you actually have, you actually sleep at night. You're still falling asleep during the day. Imagine when you, when you start not getting a lot of sleep at night. What are you trying to say, Justin? You get like a, like a buzzer or something to bust you awake. Oh, hell to the no. Like an iPhone app. We all have our things. Wake Chrissy up. Some people we know can't go more than like three hours without eating. Otherwise they get really cranky and ornery. Some people can. Some people can't go without at least eight hours of sleep. Otherwise, they find ways to sleep during conversations or movies during the day that they don't remember the next. You Look, you can go to sleep right now and get nine hours of sleep. Oh God, that sounds great. And still tomorrow, you'd be like... <laughs> in our opportune times. Because it's, it's never enough. Honestly, I think... We'll watch it tomorrow and we'll see. Oh, God. You want to talk about ADHD? I think that's actually a part of it. Because I find, believe it or not, I pay better attention to things like movies when I'm able to multitask. Like, if I'm able to fidget with my iPhone or, like, eat something or whatever it takes that keeps some sort of physical function busy, my brain doesn't get totally bored. Whereas if I'm just... I can only do one thing. Whether it's just watch, just talk on the phone, just stare at a screen of any kind, like, or just read that my, there's something that happens in my brain where it's just like bored now and it sleeps. The wiring's all wrong. It's like it has to work on power saving energy. Wow. Okay. Well, until next time. (laughs) How many times have we had this talk? We really went in depth this time. Now you know why I'm narcoleptic. I don't think that's what narcoleptic is. Well, they fall. The narcoleptic people actually cannot control when they fall asleep. They could be standing and fall asleep. Mm. Standing. People have to catch them so they don't hurt themselves. Well, until next time, check us out on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> uh, check us out on uh, this week's episode of the Popcorn Mafia, where we join um, the first annual Popcorn Mafia awards movie draft. Yes. And Fancy draft. One of us, yes, got to pick first, and one of us already has good taste in movies. So I wonder who's going to win the draft. If I would have gotten the second or third pick, I still would have won. I doubt it. Let's go back in time and check. I was at a huge disadvantage, y'all. <laughs> I'm just saying that it's the runt of the podcast, but still, it was actually really fun and always a pleasure to be with Gray Drake. Yes, friend of the show. Fabulous. Yeah. So, uh, you can find the Popcorn Mafia. Um, she has a Twitter, and it's actually the Popcorn Mafia. You could find her on Facebook. And uh, if you also want to read more about our friend, you can find her on movies.com and CNN. Yes. And you can find me at nights riding my, you know, 70 year old dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's somehow still alive as I'm. You might have to, like, follow him Inception-style into his dream, but, you know, it'll work out. I'm really old, and so is my dog. And you'll find me in front of the screen and on the phone. (laughs) Not paying attention. (laughs) Yes. Awesome. There you go. All right. It's been fun. It's been fun. Happy New Year. Happy birthday. (laughs) 